How's it going? This is the Green Machine Podcast here with our boys in green. As we do every Monday, we bring you how all of the Irish lads got on over the weekend. Now, um, due to laziness from David, no, I'm only joking, laziness, laziness from me and a bit of heartbreak. I was at the FAI Cup final yesterday with Breen. Sadly, didn't go our way. Um, congratulations to St. Pat's, as much as that is. Begrudgingly said there. Very difficult to say at the moment penalty shootouts and so on but 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 i'm gonna blame that for not having our um our full spreadsheet of our boys in green done out today um i'm just gonna go through a few bits and pieces because to be honest martin football is not something um that i i wanted to think about today but that that's the way it goes isn't it that's the way it goes good result for united though yesterday wasn't it Gold, yeah. Oh, it was badly needed, but yeah, I still, it's, it's just a complete mess, isn't it, United? I mean, the only good thing I thought was very entertaining after the game, you might not have caught it yet, but uh, the, the Roy Keane and Carragher um, yeah. kind of little spat online on the on the TV coverage, I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah, um, Jimmy Floyd uh, caught in the middle of that. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, interesting. I see Rio Ferdinand's had a pop today at Carragher as well, but I think it's all in kind of good jest, hopefully, but um yeah, I, one thing I'd say though about Roy Keane, and I mean, obviously it's not about Roy Keane the whole show and things, but um, I don't. There must be something with him and Carrick because remember he called Carrick out years ago after uh, for his post-game, uh, you know, talk after the interview. Yeah, um, yeah that's and right. Carrick, yeah. Carrick's misses went for him uh, online, and then oh, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, that, Carrick's, but... Carrick's misses went for you know piped up about Roy on something then. Um, so yeah, it's just it's an interesting little thing like jobs for the boys and stuff as well that that little kind of Chris yeah. Hickey come out with. But uh, yeah, it always box office, Roy. And I know that he was in wasn't he, he was in um, in Ireland during the week as well in Kerry, and he kind of made a few more remark, remarks about uh, the progress under Stephen Kenny and things. So I think that annoyed David a little bit. But then David doesn't like Roy Keane, so. David is uh, Stephen Kenny's biggest defender, so we have to we have to give him some credit there. I, I think he's only annoyed with Carrick because he took his jersey. <laughs> it probably is that, yeah, thinking you're not good enough. God. And now now Ahmed Diallo has it, so and yeah. Marcus Rojo before, so yeah, sixteen's yeah. gotten passed around like currency a little bit, hasn't it? But yeah, yeah some some in, interesting comments from him last week, and it's, it's it's good to hear him weigh in though, Martin, isn't it? Because he we haven't heard much from him about Stephen Kenny. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think it's great to hear and stuff, and and it's just interesting, like these little kind of little cliques in um in football, you know, like who gets along with who and stuff. I mean, even I saw today, you know, the Carragher and King spat is obviously going viral, and yeah. then you see John Walters piping up <laughs> saying, "Yeah, you're 100 percent right, Cara," and it's like, well, you're going to say that because we know what your views are of Roy. So uh, yeah, yeah, he never he never forgot that John Walters, did he? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. It was oh we we were in um just a little shout out to Gibneys in, in Malahide. Have to do that, Martin, you know. Yeah. Have to give a shout out to the local. But they um you know, the, I was gonna say they had Breen and Oying and his brother over. We just went in, they didn't invite us. So we, we went there before the game and um oh we were watching Sky Sports. It was just about this uh, before the Spurs match was about to kick off and um you know it was called off and they had this little feature. Now the the sound was off. But it was like Jamie Carragher, Mason Mount, and we were kind of like, "Oh Jesus, the two lads." I actually don't mind Mason Mount, but but uh, Breen and his his brother Kev wouldn't be big fans, and <laughs> they were they were like, "Jesus, I couldn't think of a worse combination than them two having a chat," you know? Because I think he went to Mason Mount's um, house or whatever, you know, and they were chatting away, 
And I was like, yeah, it's not, not very appealing. And we were chatting about Car- or not Carragher, um, Redknapp and, you know, how much we disliked him and so on. And then what happens, um, <laughs> it's, it cuts to this shot and it's, uh, it's Declan Rice on FaceTime. Oh, yeah. Oh. It was, yeah, painful, painful. But anyway, anyway. I better get on to how the lads did at the weekend before I piss myself off. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, painful. I mean, three... I, I like Mason Man, but look, um, at least two very painful Sky Sports bastards there anyway. So, <clears throat> so yeah, no, let's be honest, not a huge amount to report. I think the, the most high-profile kind of Irish action over the weekend was that FBI Cup final. Um, yeah, sadly. And, of course, Roy Keane's uh, clash with them. Um, with Jamie Carragher. So apart from that, uh, like there was a huge amount to report, a couple of goals to report, a couple of impressive performances and a few shout outs to, to mention. And, and I think it is uh, worth mentioning the women's national team as well, because of course they, they drew one with Slovakia last week and are playing Georgia tomorrow as well in Tala. So um, just to start off, so Ryan Manning with the goal uh, for Swansea. So Manning, again, one of those players, um, kind of on the periphery of Stephen Kenny's squad is Sonny Martin. And he's, he's one of those who we kind of said, well, Andy Stevens is whatever, 31 now, and he's, he's you know, pushing on a bit or whatever. I mean, I think he's still in fairly good shape and he's still full of pace. But Manning's one of them that might feel a little bit hard done by, um, that maybe he hasn't gotten a bit of a break into, into Stephen Kenny's team because James McLean's kind of overtaken him uh, almost immediately. But he's playing in the championship. He's playing as a left, left side of center half. So, um a far cry from the attacking midfielder that we saw about five or six yeah. years ago, Martin, isn't it? Yeah, like he's doing really well. I mean, I know he, did, he was okay at uh, QPR and stuff, and there were shouts from then to be uh, like a lot of our West London members would be QPR fans as well, and um, we'll kind of follow him home and away. And there was a lot of kind of support for him to kind of be given an opportunity back in the day when he was there, but he never really come to fruition then, and he was in and out. Obviously, squads very much at the periphery of it, but you know, like he's doing really well with it. You know, he is another interesting one to back up for that. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been disappointed when he has come in. Uh, I think he's done okay. So yeah, just just obviously, this is what I said. He, these players now just got to going up to the Christmas games. It comes thick and fast. They've just got to be kick, ticking along nicely, keeping their you know their form going and keeping their, their presence in the you know in the, in the mind of Stephen Kenny. He's an interesting one, Manning, because. I think when he was converted into the into a left back, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, he, he might be a bit like Ian Hart because you know similar kind of size, very good from free kicks." I think he used to take penalties at some stage, so yeah, it's interesting how his career has kind of panned out a little bit. So of course, scoring in the three-two defeat to Reading. So another player who kind of stood out, and again, is as hard as it was for me to congratulate St. Pat's. Um, Alan Brown uh, was kind of singled out by Kenny's kids over the weekend for for his performance for Preston against Fulham. So Fulham are leading the championship, of course, and Brown, to his credit now, is, you know, he's a very consistent performer. I think, like, there's a lot of Preston fans, actually. Well, there's a couple of Preston fans on the page, actually, and they're always kind of reporting about how, how Brown is getting on and some of the Irish lads are getting on. Sean Maguire, of course, scoring a couple of weeks ago. But just some of his stats. So 90 minutes played. This is from Kenny's kids. So... 90 minutes played, four tackles won, three interceptions, eight recoveries, three out of three dribbles completed, three fouls won, a 78% pass success. And uh, just as here, the ultimate team player. I don't think they're like, <laughs> no one's praising him and all of a sudden I'm bashing him, but yeah, nothing out of the ordinary there. I mean, a 78% pass success and three dribbles. 
But look, yeah, he's, I, he's a good, he's a good player, Brown. And, and to be fair, um, you know, he's he's Mister Preston, really, isn't he? Yeah, he's an honest pro, isn't he? I, I think even he he had a little bit of stuff on Twitter recently with um a few fans. I think he weren't happy with some of the re- receptions, some perhaps they given to a couple of other players, and he he kind of piped up, which I kind of didn't. I've never really seen from him before. So it's interesting, but you know he's a, he is like the leader of that team, I think. And again, he's one that you know Kenny did. He's, he's persevered with him. He's tried him in different positions. You know he got the goal, didn't he? A key goal for us. He should have qualified us when he had that horrendous miss um, in the in the playoff. Um, but you know, again, I want to see him kick on now. Again, I, I think we know everything there is to know about him. But if he can play himself into form, he could be a, a, a player to consider in March, definitely. So. Um, again, I, I just yeah, I like seeing him all do well. To be honest, and he's playing okay. That's, that's all the better for Ireland. Absolutely. And then going into League One, because sadly that's the level that a lot of our players are playing at at the moment. But thankfully playing well. So Wigan Athletic, so a team that we keep a, a very keen eye on, uh, due to two of our international players being there. So Will Keane and James McLean, of course, playing for Wigan. So Will Keane actually scored and got an assist. Um, in the 2-1 win over Plymouth Argyle. So Plymouth were kind of uh, leading the championship, I think, and, and Wigan are kind of battling it out for them. Um, some very interesting images of James McLean emerging after that, Martin. What was your, what was your take on that? I think that's something that, that you probably enjoyed yourself, was it? Yeah, I think, well, you know, like even I think you alluded to it when we last last spoke. I don't mind the lads kind of flashing a bit of flesh sometimes. I'm only joking. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, like only, he, he was. Only if it's Callum Adair. Yeah, well, he was. No, I thought it was. I, I actually really like that tattoo. I'm not a massive. I haven't got any tattoos myself, but uh, it, I do like that. I think it's good. And, he, you know, he's certainly quite proud of himself, isn't he? Of, of his uh, roots. James McLean, he's not shy about coming forward with it. He's probably getting a load of stick again. Um, what I find quite funny in a way um, is, you know, the uproar it causes on social media. Um, it seems to have died down a little bit. It's not as vitriolic as it has been in the past. I know we've covered this on previous episodes, but um, yeah, you know, like you, you get a lot of people kind of jumping on it saying, oh, it's, it's outrageous. And what are the FA going to do about the, you know, the racial abuse he's suffering and stuff? The answer is nothing, sadly. It doesn't seem to matter when Irish people are racially abused in in england um in their football matches and stuff so um but i do find it quite funny the way james mclean deals with it and he winds them all up and he he knows how to do that but also how he brings attention to it as well he doesn't let it go under the under the kind of carpet he kind of makes a reference to it on his social media and uh yeah fair play to him for doing that though because it still raises the profile of it that it still is happening sadly yeah and um i mean even the fact that he's playing at a lower level doesn't mean it, it disappears now at least at least the Wigan fans are supportive of him, Martin, because, I mean, the Stoke fans, you know, I, I think things went very stale there. The West Brom fans, I think things were were a little bit heated between him and him and McLean fairly early on. So at least he knows that he's respected at Wigan. And, and I think as well, like if you think back to a few years ago and you wrote that open letter to Dave Whelan, who was the, yeah. the Wigan chairman at the, or the Wigan owner at the time, wasn't he? And he yeah. kind of outlined his, his reasons behind um, wearing the poppy. Similar to Nemanja Matic. I mean, Manny Matic was... It was very transparent, and um, like like people would argue that that Maddish doesn't really wind people up, and McLean does. But I mean, I think that letter should probably get circulated a little bit more because it does it does in layman's terms explain um, McLean's rationale for not wearing the poppy. But um, again, sadly, probably won't go away for a long, long time. So just a few other uh, players to mention. So Alameda Shadipu, so he scored for Sheffield Wednesday. 
um, in their game against Wickham Wanderers. So Daryl Horgan uh, featuring in that game as well. Ryan Sweeney scoring for Dundee in their victory over Motherwell. So, um, like, apart from that, like, there, there wasn't a huge amount of action, really. I mean, as I said, Will Keane, probably the most successful player over the weekend. Um, in the last hour, Zach Elbizetti's actually gotten an assist for AIK. So, I know we speak about him quite regularly, uh, Martin. I'm about to call you David. I'm just missing him, Martin. Just missing him, <laughs> you know. But um, scoring there, so so AIK. Um, and, of course, Sean O'Shea, he was on the show a few weeks ago, uh, the assistant manager there. So, they're drawing 1-1 with Ellsberg. So, as I mentioned, we we do talk about him quite a bit. Is is he a guy? If he has a good strong finish at the Swedish season, he he could find himself in in the the, the squad in March, Martin, because he is a different type of player, isn't he? And there's always the concern around physicality and the standards and so on. But surely he's pushing. He is, yeah. And I think you know there's there's a lot of hype about him as well. So yeah, look, if he's scoring goals, he's definitely going to keep his you know keep keeping the mindset of the managers and stuff so yeah that's what you want to see him doing you know like like you said we're struggling to kind of really go through the players and see what a good week they had or, or they didn't have um they're not not a lot of them are kind of playing i looked like no action from omar Babadelli or Ida uh on the yeah. weekend still struggling there at norwich yeah it's, it's, it's not great positive read i mean the only good positive is bazunu's still doing very well um, and and a, a game I did actually watch, and there was five Irish players involved over the weekend. Well, I watched, I kind of dipped in and out of it, to be honest. Sheffield United, Bristol City, you know, you had O'Dowder in there, Horahan, uh, McGoldrick, Ender Stevens, and John Egan. So, you know, decent little kind of interest in that one, to be honest. Um, Harahan's getting a good bit of game time now because he wasn't getting a minute. Now, sadly, John Fleck, and I know there was. Very bad news about him last week. He collapsed on the pitch, and thankfully he's okay. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but he's probably going to benefit from that, Harrahan, because they're they're very similar kind of players, you know, left-footed central midfielder. So he, he's going to get some more game time, and he has to be an option for us. Maybe maybe not from the start, but you have to have kind of Harrahan playing. Yeah. And just another player, uh, Martin, <laughs> to, to mention, Thomas O'Connor of Burton. So a um, couple of goals now he has this season. I, th- I think he's from Kilkenny, as far as I know. I could be completely wrong, but I think he's a Kilkenny man. So that, that was kind of our only other goal scorer over the weekend. So we mentioned Gavin Bazuna briefly there. So uh, getting a load of clean sheets now for Portsmouth. I think that was his fourth on the trough for Portsmouth, or, or fourth and five. And the Manchester Evening News actually put in a report there yesterday, um, or, or this morning, actually, there was an article about him. So... The, the actual article, uh, uh, the title of it being Man City told how good Gavin Bizzuno can be amid more Portsmouth plaudits. So the Gavin Bizzuno hype has moved pl- past Irish propaganda and <laughs> has actually entered the mainstream media in the UK. And the Manchester Evening News is no laughing matter, is it? You know, it just, just shows that he's going to be in the in the mind of Pep Guardiola. Maybe not as a starter, but certainly as a young player to keep a keen interest in. Yeah, without a doubt, and and the good thing about that is, like, he, he he's just going from strength to strength, and I think yeah, once you get plaudits in the UK, I mean, we've been talking to about him for a long time, we've been able to see him perform, and now he's getting the credit again. I mean, it's going to be a test for him at a higher level, but I think it's going to be a mark of his ambition now. See what he does now at his next move, um, where he gets more experience. I think, you know, we've seen his distribution. I'm still amazed by it. Um, yeah. And I think just interestingly, over the last, you know, 
if it'll be worth a study and time from someone you know a proper scholar to do it but you know the evolve evolution of a goalkeeper basically is just so interesting you think of Schmeichel coming in and the long throw distribution and, and now you know just Bazuna just blows my mind when I see it and how good they are with their feet and what what I mean by that evolution of footballers if you think of like a goalkeeper like Darren Randolph how he came in probably you know, he was he's always been a little bit shaky, I think, with feet at the back. But you know, they've all they've all have to be kind of footballers now. Um, but you know, just how they've actually gone up to another level now of how comfortable they all are. You know, Pepe Reina's one who used to always do the rondos with Barcelona well, with Spain, uh, because that's how they were taught. Um and you know, they they're just comfortable now. You know, that that's it. Um and yeah, I, I just think it's it's brilliant to see. I think it's such an interesting position to really study. And we're really blessed with them, uh, with Ireland. And, you know, as a Man United fan as well, I'm thinking of, you know, how De Gea struggles with his distribution feet-wise. And, you know, surely, even I know it wouldn't happen, possibly wouldn't happen, but Man United are going to have to recruit a goalkeeper in years to come. And I'm trying to think who is going to be on the market for for them. You know, Kelleher and Pazunu surely have to be in the mindset of these top clubs because they are of that level. You know, they are of that level. Um, they're, con- they're contemporary keepers. Do you think that's it? Yeah, like like, like all, all the money's coming into Newcastle now. And I think now it was an Irish outlet. I can't remember which Irish outlet, but they were kind of saying, "Oh, you know, what players could Newcastle go for?" And Bizzuno was actually mentioned as the goalkeeper. Now, as I said, highly biased, I'm sure, because it, it was an Irish outlet. I, I don't know if it was Balzadi or or who it was, but but the whole argument was that if you look at the top teams, if you look at Manchester City. If you look at Bowes, no money joke. If you look at Manchester <laughs> City, you look at Liverpool. So you've, you've Allison and Ederson. And I mean, two players who are very, very good with their feet, aren't they? And and um, all the top teams, if they want to play a contemporary style of football, they they have to have a keeper with good dis- distribution. And Stephen Kenny, the way that he sets Ireland up, Gambizino, although he's a goalkeeper, he's central to to how Ireland play and how Ireland keep it keep the the game flowing at the back and so on because his distribution is so good and and Newcastle I, I know might be a bit far-fetched but you could see a Premier League team maybe going in from the the fear will be that a Premier League team does sign him and he ends up on the bench for them because I know like he's he's probably not in the radar for City I know they have the the American keeper Stefan and um, I think it's Zach Stefan who's, who's who's the backup there but the fear will be that that Bizzuno does go to a Premier League team and he's second fiddle. Uh, championship probably next, loan or perhaps abroad. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like when you're saying that about Newcastle, I mean, that that is what's going to be very important for some of our young players as well because, like, Bizzuno, prime candidate for that. I, I can see it very much like, remember Man City when they had the money come in and they had Casper Schmeichel down. It didn't really work out with him, Joe Hart. They tried a lot of goalkeepers, but they brought in young goalkeepers because it's worth a gamble. And like fair play, Casper Schmeichel went on, had a really decent career, hasn't he? Won the won the, the league, everything like that. You know, real solid. Look at how good he is international as well with Denmark. We're very familiar with him. You know, and he he was kind of let go at City. Like he didn't really make it there, and he was up and down the leagues and stuff. He went around with even Sven Goran Eriksson. I think brought him somewhere else, lower league at one stage. Not, so not Kennedy, wasn't that's it? it. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I can. I, I, as long as they're playing, I think it's the key thing for a goalkeeper. And it's you know. I was talking to someone the other day even about um, like Tottenham people, like where I live over here in Enfield, talking to people like, you know, to a lot of Tottenham fans and stuff. And obviously I referenced Doherty, who they think is absolutely shocking. Um, <laughs> and I referenced uh, Troy Parrott. And no, he's not good enough. He, he's not good. And I keep saying how old he is, like Troy Parrott. So unusual for a young, like, 
how many 19 year olds 20 year olds 21 year olds like Rooney was a freak that time when he came through early but you know later and later now these players are are making it like it's 23 where they kind of you know that they actually confirm that they're actually professional footballers now they seem to be making it a bit later or getting more settled into the top level anyway well look at Um, Harry Kane at Spurs Exactly. He's a perfect example. Perfect example. And really interesting. I'm going to give a shout out to another podcast, which is really great crack. Listen to it. It's called Under the Cosh. And, you know, I've listened to a, a, a lot of journeyman footballers and stuff like that. But they've had Andy Keogh on it, John Mackens on it. Um, some brilliantly funny stories about footballers. But Andy Keogh was so good saying when he played up front with Harry Kane, I think it was at Millwall. And he said yeah. the run, you know, he goes, at, he goes, I love playing with him at 18. Harry Kane's 18. He goes, because it, he was just physically not mature, but everything else he did was a level above me. And he'd done all my running and he'd done all the work for me and stuff. And it just went away and worked on it. Like, and now look at Harry Kane as the player he is now in demand and how many, whatever he's worth. That just shows you that the level that you have to get to. It didn't really work out for him at Leicester and all these other loan moves he had. Yeah. And you just got your break then. So, yeah, we've got to, I think that's the kind of thing you've got to remember, like Troy Parrott, Adam Eder, Omar Bamadeli, a lot of them are very young players who've now had Premier League experience to some extent, perhaps not Troy, but, you know, it's got to take them time and they've got to find their feet, maybe lower league, and then they'll come back up again. That That's the key thing. It's not just, it's not a, they're not at their level when they're playing on league somewhere. You know, like, uh, similarly, James McLean. James McLean has gone up in his career. Now he's going back down the other side of the mountain, basically, if you use that analogy. Or as Troy Parrott, He's gone down, but he will come back up, I think. Yeah, that that's that's the stage he's in his career. Yeah. I think context is so key because in the last 10 years or so, I'd say since kind of, I remember it was my leaving cert year, Martin. I think it was the 2009-2010 season. And there just seemed to be so many Irish players playing in the Premier League. And there were so many young Irish players in the academies and kind of coming through or kind of pushing to come through in the Premier League. So there was, there was so many. But then there was that barren run where like the, the numbers dwindled, then they went back up. Sadly, they're quite low at the moment. But I mean, let's say five years ago, you wouldn't have said that we would have, you know, several teenage strikers playing first team football, no matter what yeah. level. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, out of the question it was. And I mean, now we have, you know, Paris gone to MK Dons and he's doing really well. Everyone thinks he's doing brutally because he's not scoring yeah. many goals. But I mean, there was, there was, I know like I'm, I'm not a big stat man, even though I've after reading out uh, Alan Browns and scrutinizing the shite out of them. But I mean, you know, Paris, Paris creativity seems to be coming on leaps and bounds. And he's he's not a center forward. Like I think a lot of people think he's he's some kind of, you know, Robbie Keane um in- reincarnation, but he's he's kind of like a, I hate to use the term, but like a false nine, like a deep line forward. Like he 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 doesn't play as further up the pitch as people think. He drops very, very deep. Um, and and it just takes a few clips of, of watching them to kind of to notice that. So people need to realize that Adam Ida, Omar they're not getting games, but we didn't even have lads of their age on the bench at a Premier League team. So it's it's progress in its own right, and people need to contextualize it. Look at Northern Ireland. They have never really had that. You know, they, they've never really had that. And we're coming back around with having these younger lads playing. And, and even look at Jason Malumbi. He's finally getting a bit of a run for West Brom. You've got um, Nathan Collins, who who would have played at the weekend against Spurs, you know. So 
we never would have seen ourselves in this position five years ago. So I think context is really, really key. And, and another one to add in there is like if you look at that, like we all, right, we all talk about Omar Bamadeli, you know, made a breakthrough with international wise anyway, played a bit for, for Norwich as well. But like Mark McGuinness, signed by Mick at Cardiff, played again 90 minutes the other day. That is such a learning environment for them. That, that championship is, is really hard. You know, it, it, it's different, completely different to Premier League football where they don't, you know, that's like a League One as well. That's just aggressive and, you know, really like kicking crap out of each other. So you see some lovely football, of course, but it's very, very competitive and you're you're, you're going to learn against some proper strikers there with their movement and smashing you around, basically. Um, yeah. That is totally different to like a, watching a striker in the Premier League where that doesn't really happen. You don't mm-hmm. get smashed. Or you don't, you know, you're not going up aerial battles and getting elbows and stuff like that. A lot of it, it's a totally different game down there. And that makes a man of you, I think. Well, they say it's like one of the top five leagues in Europe, you know, in terms of competitiveness, in terms of the amount of international players in it. And and people, you know, I think think people get into an awful habit of they're only watching the Champions League or they're only watching, you know, the the top six or whatever playing. And and then they, they don't consider the quality of what's outside of that. And I mean we do have a lot of players in there playing and training with internationals every week or every day. And especially when it's a young player and that wasn't an opportunity about five years ago or wasn't even on the radar five years ago. That's, that's huge. Like it's, it's absolutely massive. And the likes of McGuinness, I mean, he was, you know, I think he was on loan with Ipswich and he wasn't even getting that many games for Ipswich. And he was starting in the championship every single week. So it's, it's shown the amount of depth we have um, with players who were kind of under 23 or so. So it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Somebody. 100% and that's the key point what you just said there about a lot of our fan base or, or people who follow Ireland and stuff that you know I'll, I'll be honest with you since probably doing this and even just my son's like growing up watching a lot of football and stuff my knowledge of football I think probably increased a lot more and, it, and it, I'm more interested in where Ireland players are playing now and stuff and even you know the under 21s even the women's game more interested in it than I ever have been before and I'm quite old now but you know, a lot of people is that their context of football is the Champions League and Barcelona, and they can't understand if you don't watch a lot of football. And that's all you watch. They can't understand that. You know, they they think Ireland should be playing like Barcelona. Oh, it's absolute muck watching them. They can't even pass this. They can't do that. Well, it's if you context. watch a lot of football, yeah, if you watch a lot of football, you'd understand that. You know, that that's the thing. You do understand things then, um, and watch different levels of football. I mean, look back to the FAI Cup final yesterday. I, I watched Man United yesterday, but. I was keeping an eye on the score, saw the goals on, on Twitter and stuff going along. Um, delighted like for the extra time, caught the end of that. But when I look back at the quality of it, it's such a good cracking game, open, you know, open end to end, but I saw it at the end. Um, you know, amazing save that was in the end as well, the bit. And then obviously the penalties is always gonna be exciting. But that that's something again to be embraced. You've got you know, you're gonna get a different level of football compared to then watching Barcelona or someone else play that yeah. night. It's just totally different. It's a different song. Even international football is is a much you know it's a much slower pace yeah. than watching than watching the Premier League. So as I said, context is so key. Just another thing I forgot to mention. So James McCarthy, his first ninety minutes. I actually think he came off in the ninety eighth minute or something like that for Celtic. So his first um his first full game of football in a, I think it was seven months. And we saw the stat there the other day. So a guy that I'd love to see come back into the Ireland squad, but uh, no one else wants to. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, just one that I thought I'd get in there. And since um, since we've actually started recording, Zach Elbizetti has gotten his second assist 
And another stat there from Kenny's kids that he has an 85% passing completion rate. So overtaking Alan Brown in the, in the past completion stats. And um, didn't we say Connor Noss is, is the, the best Bundesliga passer of all time because he's got 100% uh, three out of three in, in a minute or something like that. So, uh, yeah, as I said, context is key. Moving on to the women's national team, Martin. So um, Ireland drawing 1-1 with Slovakia last week in Tala. So Katie McCabe scoring a goal. She's on fire at the moment, isn't she? You know, on fire. Yeah, she's absolutely brilliant. And I think, I mean, she's the golden girl in our Irish football and pretty rightly so. Um, you know, she's everywhere in their media coverage. The FAI really promoting her all over it. I think she comes across brilliant, really, really well in all her interviews. An inspiration to young girls, young kids in Ireland. Um, look, I, I'm here living in London. My little girls are not massively into football. Um but they all know Katie McCabe. They all go around singing the Katie McCabe song. I obviously love going to watch a lot of football. I'm going to the FA, FA Cup final, the women's game, on Saturday at Wembley, bringing my two little girls with me and my son, Kean, because Katie McCabe's playing, basically, and the tickets are reasonably priced. It's at Wembley. It'll be nice and safe for them. The last time I was at Wembley, with the, where the England fans <laughs> tried to wreck their own stadium. But, you know, I'm giving the girls a day out and like we're going there not to see Arsenal and Chelsea, I think it is. Um, it's basically to show them that women can play football and look, this girl is from Ireland. This is her. This is the one that daddy's watching on the telly when Ireland women are playing. Girls can play football too, is what I always say. They're out in the garden every now and again. But they're all excited about it because, because of her, basically, and seeing... Irish girls comp- competitively competing uh, in football. And, you know, sh- she's absolutely flying it with Arsenal as well. Like, loads of goals. I think for the international team, I've, you know, obviously, as I said, watching it a little bit more, reading more of the coverage about it. Um, she's so flexible position-wise that it's probably sometimes to the detriment of her that she can just slot in anywhere. Yeah, she's um, played a bit of everywhere for Ireland, hasn't she? Because she was playing left back not that long ago. Well, left wing back. Yeah. Playing out. But I mean, she's played all over. She's played in the middle. Um, for Arsenal, she's played centre half. Like she's played kind of on the, the left hand side of a, of a back three for Arsenal. So extremely versatile. Is she the most spoken about Irish player, men or women at the moment, do you think, in the last, say, three or four months? She probably is in a way. I mean, all right, Bazunu, I'm trying to think, like men wise. I suppose Callum Robinson would probably be a shout, I suppose. But. Not really hyped up that much over here anyway. So I think no. over here in England, um, she probably is because her profile, you know, Arsenal on TV a lot. They're in the Champions League. I know they got beaten by Barcelona uh, a while ago. Um, but yeah, she probably is one of the most high profile Irish sportswomen out there at the moment. Um, and I, I, again, I just I would have to praise her with her conduct and stuff. You see her interacting with fans. I know they do a big PR drive on the women's game now and she does a lot of video calls with fans and stuff and, you know, she's giving the boots away or she's having selfies. Well, I think they couldn't have selfies in Tala the other night because of COVID and stuff. But, you know, she was she was delighted she was able to give the boots out. Came, came across brilliantly in the interview with Tony O'Donoghue afterwards. And, um, yeah, she's a test, fair play to her. She's absolutely brilliant. And, like I said, really looking forward to going on Saturday because, you know, she's playing at the higher level in in. in in, foot, in English football over here in the women's game in a cup final and I hope they do it I mean we've had in the past at Risk London we've had Nee Fahey and Emma Burnover and and we had um, we, you know we uh, we had Sue Run over as well and it was absolutely brilliant hearing from from them about the kind of evolution of the women's game and that was probably 10 years ago to be honest and 
I just think now it's just absolutely taken off over here. And it, it's great. The coverage is, you know, I've been in, in the car going along and you hear later scores from games. You're thinking, hang on a minute, Villa aren't playing Brighton. But when you hear the result coming through or the score, later score, but you realise it's the women's game. So there's a big drive for it. Um, and, and it's, yeah, fair play to it. It's, it's really good. You know, another player I've often referenced is Ellen Malloy. I know she's only 17. Um, she's actually injured at the moment, Wexford use. But again, great those kind of great people... performance in the women's final. Yeah, amazing. Like, oh, just, I, I, just every time I see her, really impressive. And, and thankfully, you know, I think she'll get her chance now and, and she'll be a big name to follow in years to come in the, in the women's game. But at the moment, it's the forefront is. We've had high-profile high players before, Emma Byrne, Nifahi, Leanne Keenan. We've had, we've had them over here. Denise O'Sullivan's another one. You know, they're household names now, aren't they? Like, I wouldn't have known them years ago, to be honest. And now you kind of are taking an interest in where they are club-wise. Stephanie Roach is obviously high-profile uh, in the past. The night at the Ballon d'Or, when she was up for the awards for the best goal, which is actually on tonight. Um, but... Yeah, I just think fair play. It's, it's it's brilliant, and I hope they get a result now against Georgia because I think they were a bit disappointed with the the, the result against. Yeah, that. yeah, that's a very very scrappy game. I mean, the the McCabe goal was glorious, wasn't it? Just the angle, you know, she's a sweet lap boo, hasn't she? But just the yeah. angle, you know, just just pull it across herself and to and to get into the corner there. But I mean, yeah, disappointing. I mean, that that Slovakian team were there for the taking, I think, but but Ireland just kind of let them come into it. That Georgia team, um, you know, you you'd, you'd be fancying us. Just, Fancying us against Georgia at home, really, I think. So, you know, they'd be looking at going out and getting the win. It's a must win. It's a must win. I think yeah, yeah. could be in a bit of bother if, if they don't get a result, to be honest. Because, you know, she's costing a bit of bit of money. Um, You know, again, her record. Um, She's a phenomenal coach. And I think I said only a few months ago that she was probably one of the biggest coups by the FAI in recent years. But, you know, if, if, if she doesn't beat Georgia tomorrow, she's going to be in serious bother, I think. Yeah, I mean, she will be under pressure, I suppose. I mean, hopefully there'll be a crowd there at the game. I think that might make a difference as well. And, um, you know, again, back to Katie McCabe, I see she got the Confederation of Supporters Clubs uh, Player of the Year yeah. uh, recently this week, which is great. And also, I would say, like, get down to Tallow if you can to go and support the girls because there will be tickets available. Um, you might even see the uh, Chris mascot now, McCall, is back. The famous dog from 1988, if you remember him, he's been launched again. So the FAI are doing a big promotion with him. He's actually um, something that um, the Confederation of Supporters Club managed to kind of persuade the FAI to bring him out of back out of the dog's home, basically. So, uh, yeah, if you are down there, grab a photo with him because he's he, it's good to see again more engagement again with fans. You know, a lot of young people will hopefully be able to go to these games and um, get behind the girls is what I'd say. I have a really, really big question for you, Martin. I mm. want you to be as honest as possible. Are you McCool? No, I'm not McCool. I, I, I'm trying to find out who McCool is, but it's not. Oh, McCool's a dog, isn't he? He's the mascot. Is it, what do you mean? Who, am I McCool? I'm a McCool Co fan. It's Jonathan Courtney, I think. It's not Jonathan Courtney, no, because I see he's on a boat somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just having a little bit of sabbatical because he's got to design uh, a new kit. And that brings me on to another subject. I brought the orange shirt for my son for oh, his birthday. And already, already, I would question the quality of the material on that because it's wow. a little, it is proper training shirt and comes across to me, to me I'll always get a shirt. Um, I'm, Maybe you could call it sad, but I love all the shirts, collect them and stuff. But uh, it's got a pull on it already just from wearing it like half an hour. And I don't know what he caught it on, but very, very, 
it kind of come across very cheap material, to be honest. Well, like at least, honest assessment. at least it can be used as a high vis, Martin. You know, for yes. years to come. Yeah, yeah. So it so serves multi purposes, doesn't it? It's mm-hmm. got that kind of Halloween vibe, doesn't it? You know, the kind of orange and black. So it's, uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a glowing endorsement of the New Jersey, if ever there was one, Martin. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'll always get it because, like, of course, you know, son, kids who love wearing the jerseys and stuff, living them basically, and they're not in their school uniform. So, you know, he, he, I knew he'd like it and want to wear it, and. Um, yeah, I was really disappointed with like, the quality of it, to be honest. And the other thing I'd say, again, I, I will go into a little rant about the, the kind of, I know they're doing a two for one, I think Elvery's or wherever sport it is, uh, lifestyle sports, whoever's selling the official stuff. It was a lot of stuff on sale at the moment, obviously Black Friday deals and stuff like that. But um, some of the quality is some of the, I'd question it. And also very disappointed as well, like goalkeeper kits, you can't seem to get them in the kids' sizes and things like that. So yeah. they just don't seem to ever get it right. And it's quite annoying, to be honest. Yeah, and they, they, they never seem to listen to us, Martin, do they? It's it, I think a lot of it is since they've, they've changed to Elvery's because I think like, um, I think it was Champion Sport used to be the the kit provider years ago, like a good while ago. Mm. Um, and then it was Lifestyle and then it's gone to Elvery's and, you know, Elvery's traditionally is kind of a GAA um, kind of uh, supplier. So I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's frustrating though. And I mean, but like that... a, a lot of jerseys are picked up kind of on your, even like the, the newer jerseys are picked up on kind of the vintage sites. Yeah. Know, kind of the match worn stuff and kind of the, the stuff that basically gets turfed out from the factories and so on. So it's, a, but, but imagine being a young goalkeeper and you just want the, the keeper gear because you used to always be able to get the keeper gear. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, back in the day. I remember when Shea Gibbon was, was, um, was playing like very early on, like I'd say kind of 2001, 2002, you could get the, the kind of black, the World Cup jersey, you know, the, the Umbro one. So yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. And, um, you know, they, they will get it right eventually, Martin, but, um, only after listening to us, I suppose, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's all we have time for tonight. As I said, a quieter one today, um, simply because not not much actually happened. I think it was um, an, another one, actually, Martin, the, the most amount of unused Irish substitutes in the Premier League. Um, so that's a record maybe we don't want, but that did happen. I think it was eight from eight. And sadly, wow. didn't get on the pitch. So, yeah, grim readings, but, but hopefully... Um, Hopefully there's a lot of injuries and, and they come back in. You never know. That's that's just what happens. Yeah. But I do think these things come in waves and, you know, we can we can catastrophize everything as much as we want, but it, it does tend to pick up. I mean, only a few years ago, we had our lowest ever amount of Irish players in the Premier League. And then within two seasons, we went to our highest in, I think, 15 years or something. So it, it, it does come around in roundabouts and hopefully it does improve over the Christmas period. So we're going to leave it there. Um, again, any kind of feedback, let us know. Keep us in the loop. We're, we'll hopefully be back during the week with another episode. We're not sure on what, but if not, we will be back for our boys in green this day next week. So until then, take care. God bless and come on, you boys in green. <laughs>